0: Hello, fitness friends. and Welcome to 40,000 Steps Radio. Hello, anxiety warriors, brothers and sisters in recovery. I'm your host, Christopher Heimerman, and I'm not a licensed healthcare professional. I'm not the owner of a sober house. However, my guest is Byron Thompson is the owner of Rebound Recovery House in Milwaukee. He's also the director of the Milwaukee Chapter of Phoenix, a national organization focused on fitness and recovery. And folks, I found out during our conversation that as of today, he is the owner of 22 years of sobriety. So grateful to Byron for joining me and for all of you for being here. I'm looking out the window. It's a beautiful day for us to get our 40,000 steps in. What do you say? Let's get it. Gang, so I've brought this up on the podcast a number of times, and I guess there's a reason it bears repeating. When I got sober, I started noticing all of these crazy little things from the universe. Uh, you ever have it where you get a song in your head, and the next song that comes on the radio, it's that song that happens to me on like a weekly basis? All of these strange coincidences that I've come to interpret as the universe reminding me there's something way bigger than me that's guiding all of this that's stirring this cosmic soup that we're living in and folks when (laughs) when byron told me that his sober date is september freaking 13th all the hair on my arms stood at attention i mean how wild is that and how what a privilege to have him on man just, just incredible. You know, one thing I want to dial in on in this, in this little monologue is when Byron got clean, he immediately realized the value of service, of selflessness, of giving back. And that's a word that we come back to a lot in recovery is that, you know, we, we need to pay forward what we've received, the amazing gifts that we've received in recovery. Well, I want to take an angle on this that that really has occurred to me recently that we, you know, think about the word altruism where you're doing something exclusively for somebody else is the idea there. Uh, this is like, you know, you, you don't post the photo of yourself ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. That's not altruism. Then you have philanthropy where I think you're allowed to take one photo, (laughs) and share it just to show, hey, I'm out here and I'm doing this. I am of the opinion that hyping yourself up a little bit for doing good things and helping others is not necessarily a bad thing, let alone taking satisfaction in that and feeling good about yourself for helping others. Because think about it, if, if you give back, And you get that dopamine hit, that satisfaction from helping others. You're doing it somewhat for yourself. And what are you going to do next time when you're faced with the opportunity to to help somebody? When you have an opportunity for these acts of service? Well, if it felt good the last time, guess what? You're probably going to do it again. If giving back, if acts of service fill our cups, then we have a cup from which we can pour. So I love that we talked about service quite a bit. I'm also really grateful to Byron for opening up about not just the amazing work that he's been doing with the Phoenix and Rebound Recovery House and Rebound Basketball, which he started almost 15 years ago. He opened up about his story so that we can get the full scope of where he was then and how brilliant life is now. Like Byron, I had to go through treatment in order to get on the straight and narrow. So before we get into our conversation, I need to say a few words about a sponsor of the podcast. I'm so proud to have them in the fold. It's the place where I did rehab, Gateway Foundation in Aurora, Illinois. I learned in rehab at Gateway Foundation that being an alcoholic didn't make me a bad person. It made me a sick person and no different than someone with cancer or diabetes, And during my time at Gateway, I started finally getting healthy again. Folks, we're living through stressful, unprecedented times and the temptation to turn to alcohol and drugs to cope with that stress and anxiety, it's stronger now than ever before. Stop using now before it's too late. Gateway Foundation is here for you and your family with life-saving inpatient, as well as virtual programs, so you can access the help you need from the privacy of your home. Don't wait to get the help you or a loved one needs. Most insurance plans are accepted. Call Gateway Foundation now at 877-505-HOPE. That's 877-505-4673 to schedule a free confidential consultation. Or you can visit gatewayfoundation.org and get the help that you need today. All right, gang, get ready to laugh, get ready to smile, get ready to learn. This is such a brilliant conversation with my new dear, dear friend, Byron Thompson.
1: How you doing? Can you hear me?
0: I can. I can hear you wonderfully.
1: i just going
0: to reply to you but i had a feeling you're already going to be in here
1: okay yeah i was getting a little you know how it is a little my my pre-game jitters and everything <laughs> this is a
0: safe place my dude but i don't know about you but whether it's an interview or if it's a race or whatever it is those jitters are we're supposed to feel those that that means it's working
1: right i totally agree i totally agree yeah <laughs> big game anything Yeah you got to feel that uh, that that gets you going. I think
0: sober fast,
1: you know, wondering. Yeah. wondering. <laughs> oh my, don't take me back to that <laughs> nervousness. <laughs> is it going to rain? <laughs> oh man. I mean, that's the
0: stuff is like the stuff you can't control. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with like when I've put in what I can great, but it's leaving it up to, to God, Yahweh, whoever else is going <laughs> to have <hand> it.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I got a good friend of mine. Uh, he actually the the guy who performed um, at uh, Soberfest Bryce, who's mm-hmm. definitely my Zen guy. Who's always like Byron. Whatever it's gonna be, it's gonna be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so
0: much easier said than done.
1: Oh, oh my God! You know, it's almost like I want to strangle him sometimes when he says it.
0: <laughs> you want to strangle him, but then you're like. Shit, he's absolutely yes,
1: right. He's absolutely right. You know. <laughs> so what's up,
0: man? What's what's going on with Phoenix? Anything new and exciting? I mean it's funny. I uh I mean I'm going through a severe like spell of post-race blues since the uh since the triathlon. And I was driving home from dropping my kids off at school this morning. And I was like, when I get home, I gotta open my app and I gotta sign up for some Phoenix stuff. So
1: for sure, it's crazy. A um, and congrats on the triathlon, man. That's just like, I mean, you got so much stuff going on, man. It's you're 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 into everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot.
0: Of, um, it's a lot of plates, man. But it, you know, it, it's you know, all the depression and stuff. It all hates a moving target. So I got I got to keep moving.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally uh, I feel you on that. Um, yeah, but we got. Um, It's like a, um, what do we call it? We call it a community fitness, (laughs) just to stay away from the word CrossFit because it scares people. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen the CrossFit folks, they're a little different. Yes, yes. And I mean, so we we have a community fitness class at a CrossFit gym uh, (laughs) uh, coming up um, this month in September, every other Monday. At CrossFit One Hundred in Glendale, I believe that's in Glendale. It's a sweet, beautiful gym, and some part of the workout is inside, and then they have an outdoor, you know, component where you know we we can do a little bit inside, do a little bit outside. It's, it's right on the Oak Leaf Trail, and that's how I found it. Is because we do a bike ride every Thursday night. I'm plugging that because we're riding tonight at six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we leave from Adventure Rock and we hit the Oak Leaf Trail. So on the trail, we kept seeing all these people working out at this gym outside and riding past them. And sometimes they wave at us or whatever. And uh, I'm like, we got to get in there. We got to get a you get that you
0: get that workout envy. Whenever I see somebody like running, by yeah. or I'm driving, it's like, damn it, I got to do that.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and everybody is not always receptive when you walk in, you know, and when I walked into that particular gym, And told them you know what we do i mean they were like super excited a lot of times um a gym you know these gyms they'll donate time to us they'll say hey for an hour a week you can come here but it's going to be at seven o'clock in the morning on a sunday or (laughs) you know it's going to be at a time when they're super not busy no chance of being busy and it hasn't done that well with our crossfit community fitness Uh, thing uh, like if if we're working out if we have a class on a Friday night nobody's going to come to that you know so yeah but uh, and then nobody wants to give you Monday uh, because that's their busiest day but this group at CrossFit 100 said you guys can have Monday night seven o'clock almost like a prime time slot wow and um, so we're going to be doing that and I think that's a good one for you to join it's a fun workout but it's a sweaty good time (laughs) dude (laughs) I
0: mean I am horrible about strength training Like I'll bike, run, swim, I'll do all this stuff. But my strength training just sucks. So I'm intrigued by that. There's something cool that you're alluding to there as well that, (laughs) and I listened to a previous interview with you because I got to do my homework, right? Uh That there's this perception that those of us in recovery have like our secret society, right? Where we're kind of tucked away and doing our own thing. I mean, on a Monday evening. I mean, is is this reserved for Phoenix folks, or could just any average person, whoever's there, just kind of join in?
1: Absolutely, that's definitely something that we try to do when we join the community. Now, we we don't want to be like those are the Phoenix guys over there uh, doing their thing. We want to be part of your gym community. That's how we <clears throat> kind of sell it to the to the to the owner of the gym. Like, hey, um, if your people. It'd be great if your people would join, but we do have a 48-hour um, sobriety uh, rule that that uh, comes with, you know, joining the Phoenix class. So any any of their people can come and join. And at our, we did a test run, and we had five or six people from their gym along with ten or fifteen. We had like 20 people mm-hmm. doing this workout. It was fun. They they were that it was their gym, so they were kind of leading us to where the little you know. Uh, kettlebells and stuff were and the the little bean uh, sandbags that we were throwing around in there and uh, showing you know showing us the light ones and everything (laughs) the ones that are not too heavy (laughs) now this
0: is this is going to be tricky though with that 48 hour requirement because saturday night (laughs) i'd hate for somebody i got 45 (laughs) hours man
1: great point great point i mean you know i don't know if everybody had exactly 48, you know, maybe there were, might be some people there with 46 or 45. <laughs>
0: You're not doing blood tests or anything like that. No,
1: nothing like that. So <laughs> just, to keep it re- just to keep it real with you there, Chris. Well, and, you know, I think
0: just putting that requirement in place gets the message across that it's like, you know, but but I do love just like how integrated this is within the community. Uh, so I signed up this morning for Hoops on the 17th because I don't have my girls that weekend. Okay. And uh, next Wednesday, <laughs> I'm going to give it another try with the uh, Ninja Obstacle course. Have you done it? You did it once already? I was going to, <clears throat> but only like two people showed up, so it didn't happen. Or maybe it was because oh. I don't know what the circumstances were. But it Oh, didn't...
1: okay. Yeah. When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good class. I mean, that's, that's a fun time. And, and now that I know you're kind of... You're going to show, I'm going to super promote it that week. <laughs> so you've done it then. Oh yeah, I've done it, but we do, I do another meeting now, um, a uh, 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 actual 12 step meeting that I do. Um, at a i actually, am, I'm a owner of a, of a sober house as well. I don't know if you know that, but oh. I own rebound recovery house and that's a 10 bed um, men's sober house. And every Wednesday we have a, a 12 step meeting in there where we allow people from the outside to come in and, and and do a meeting with the guys. And, uh, so that's kind of my commitment on Wednesday night and, and, and the ninja thing is at the same time, but I've been there. It's fun to me. It's almost like CrossFit on steroids, you know, um, cause you you're moving around, you're doing different things and you're, Climbing on type of stuff and trying to hop over fences, which I haven't done in years. Yeah, we, <laughs> since I was running from the cops. Since I was running from the
0: cops. Yeah, the co- <laughs> yeah we were we were jumping fences for good reasons, right?
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, I was. I was. You know, I knew. I knew it would come in handy later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I mean with the ninja stuff what I'm most concerned about is the grip strength because it's like the all those muscles in your hands and your fingers unless you're working on like a like a factory line every day like you don't work those muscles.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it definitely is something that you know I think people who who really do it well I think they do other stuff.
0: I need to get those 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 hand squeezing things, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I
1: think I think actually me working out I started working out um, about a year ago just on my own, like without any Phoenix or anything, like doing a little strength training, uh, working with a trainer and doing some other stuff. And that kind of helped me. uh, I have a little bit more confidence when I go to like things like CrossFit or Ninja. It's not like that's the only thing I'm doing. I'm trying to, you know, just kind of get my body because they're working muscles that you just don't usually use, Mm. you know? And uh, so I, I'm I'm helping them uh, help me by <laughs> <laughs> by working some of my other muscles before I before I come there. So,
0: well, I mean, we alluded to uh, some of the extracurriculars that we used to take part in, you know, leaping fences and and, and running for very different reasons. <laughs> um, you know, before we get into like how you got involved with Phoenix, can we kind of yeah because. I know about the awesome things you're doing with Phoenix. I did not know about Rebound Recovery House, which let's mm-hmm. talk about that in a bit too, but first sure. can we can we can we get into, you know, some of the nitty-gritty of like what led you to the recovery community? Like what 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 did what did addiction look like for you because I mean, full disclosure with this podcast. It's like in order to appreciate how much ass we're kicking today and how beautiful life is, you know, we got to kind of look back at like where we came from, kind of our origin story. So, if are you cool with sharing some of uh, some of your story?
1: No, man, I didn't know we were going to do that. No, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just I thought we were just going to talk about good Byron today. I didn't know. We... <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't warn people because th- th- then they then they run away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. You know you're in now. <laughs> you know it's crazy because my sobriety birthday is coming up uh, September 13th. This is a big month. You got me at a big month. Well. Where I'm, I'm kind of doing a little bit of reflection anyway. So, so it's definitely you know, you know, a, an appropriate thing to ask about um, because when I go up to the podium and say, "Hey, I'm," you know, "this is my my birthday or whatever," my my my, my years of sobriety, um, you know, you, you want to, you're always going to reflect on how you got here. And um, I'm born and raised originally in Chicago. Um, two older brothers younger sister, dad in law enforcement, mom a school teacher, middle class kind of family and um but you know I I don't know. I live, I come from a middle class neighborhood but a lot of people um fell victim to the cocaine and crack era mm-hmm. uh that was it's almost like our neighborhoods became um just infiltrated with with that drug and in the 80s, 90s, um, and I think the 90s was about my, my peak period, um, I would say the decade 90 to 2000, man, I was out there, as they say. In in, in Chicago, they say, he's gone. <laughs> they, would say, they would say, how's Byron doing? And they'll say, he's gone. That means gone. That means he's gone. He's so far gone off on whatever. <laughs> um, oh, that's dark
0: that's dark. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's very, it's very hurtful, you know, <laughs> because I used to hear about, oh, what happened to so-and-so? What happened to the valedictorian? What happened to our best basketball player who used to be doing, oh man, he's gone. And uh, so it really affected, it, it affected not only myself, my two older brothers went through recovery. They're doing well. They're doing great. Awesome. So my, my parents have, you know, were able to get all their kids back, you know, um, through, through recovery. But yeah, I was, I you know, started off in high school with uh, marijuana. Um, both of my brothers worked in the steel industry, uh, which was right over the border from Chicago in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So my dad, my dad wasn't that big on like super big on college. My mom was more like college, because she was a school teacher, of course. Yeah. And um, so she was all about education. And the reason that we speak well and all that was because my mom laid books and newspapers around for us to read and, and stuff like that. So our vocabulary vocabularies were very good. She was just very, you know, influential on the educational side. My dad was like, as soon as you get a high school d- diploma, I got a friend that's gonna get you over at the steel mill. <laughs> so <laughs> and you're gonna be making good money, you're gonna be all right, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. And my dad was more about work, the work thing, you know, get a job, find a job. Stay on that job, and you're letting you set. Now,
0: wait a second. Doesn't tens of thousands of dollars
1: of student loan debt sound appealing? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> you know, absolutely, hey, man. And you know, I ended up going my mom's route strictly because, you know, the steel industry went up. You know what I mean? That that industry closed down. Oh yeah. And and so you know, all of a sudden now I gotta you know think like what I gotta do now. I gotta go to college, which was not my intention because. Once my dad told me and I saw my two brothers um, already, you know, being neighborhood stars because, you know, I have to say the steel mill was paying good money for, for young guys just getting out of high school. They had nice cars. They had plenty of marijuana and uh, anything else that was that was uh, popular at that time. So I kind of um, BS my way through high school, knowing that I was just all I had to do was get that diploma. And go into the steel industry like my brothers did mm-hmm. but right of course chris when i got out that's when the steel mill all everything shut down yeah and and i didn't have a great grade point average and all that i didn't know what i was going to do uh, but i didn't care about high school because i knew i had a job yeah when I left.
0: right right and then all that gets kind of pulled up from underneath you
1: yeah absolutely and then by then about high school you know i had you know smoking a lot of weed and and um even uh with my brother's working in the steel industry, they actually were having like quantities of marijuana inside of our house. Which was probably not good with my dad working in law enforcement. Um, It's amazing the
0: things we can hide, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so I was kind of dipping into their stuff and kind of taking it to my little school, to my little friends, and Mm. and I was kind of into sales Mm -hmm. of uh, of their stuff. And uh, so that was always you're an entrepreneur. Come on, I'm telling you, Chris. All of these things have led to me led led me to where I am today. You know those traits and things like that. That, that were used for negative, I always tell people can be used for mm. for good. You know, I, I end up later on, you know, after being in sobriety, getting into sales and collections and stuff like that, where I was able to talk my way into doing positive things. Uh, you know, and getting paid for it, uh, using using the same skills that I used to hustle with in high school and, and things like that. So everybody doesn't get the opportunity. Sometimes people, you know, end up you know being incarcerated or or dying from overdose I'm one of the fortunate ones that got a chance to reverse the negative into the positive yeah um so that's the kind of opportunities that I try to give you know with with sober living and, and all the stuff that I do I just like if you could just stop for a while and have a place mm-hmm. to stay for a while mm-hmm. you know a base of operation you know you could possibly you know turn things around and that's that's kind of how I got into sober living and stuff like that. But
0: so much of that, like you said, is just getting away from it, having enough time to get away from it and get away from, uh, get away from that poison so that you can get, so you can clear your system so that you can actually experience the benefits of being off of it for long enough to realize, Oh, you know, holy shit. Like there, there is a life here for me that feels really good. Uh, so I similarly didn't have that crash and burn Hollywood story. Mm-hmm. What was your What was your moment like? How did you turn that corner personally?
1: Uh, I hit the bottom. You did. You know, I hit the bottom. Yeah. Um, I uh, I did hit the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I tried recovery three times, mm-hmm. and um, once in Chicago, no, twice in Chicago, and then um, really only once, I would say in in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. and you know I think the first time you know I was I was homeless and my parents said hey you can come stay with us but you got to get into recovery Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) and uh, I'm like well I'm homeless I think I will get into recovery you know (laughs) know, whatever you say and and, mom you're going to be making dinner for me every day while I'm there (laughs) I mean it was just it was just the best recovery I mean I I got like six months I was eating salads every day and and um, you know and my dad, at a certain time of the day, my dad would say, Byron, it's time for you to go out there to that meeting. Let's get out there to that meeting. And I was going. And, hey, that was really my first introduction into sobriety. But I totally was only doing it so I could keep that roof of my parents over my head. The, Got a big head. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, the
0: why is everything, right? It's yeah. it's the intention of of, yeah. of why.
1: No, yeah. So anyway, um, you know, tried again, you know, another time relapsed. Having did another geographical change, I will say, Chris, I was the king of the geographical change. I moved from apartment to apartment in Chicago, from the south side to the north side to the Logan Square, to every part of Chicago, just trying to change friends, change burning bridges. Maybe I won't be that way over in this neighborhood. And I mean, everywhere I went, I went. And that was kind of the problem. Yeah. So just a, a little, Evanston, Illinois, I did the suburbs, everything north. The next logical step was Milwaukee. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the beer capital of the world. I, I thought I would come up here and get sober. And uh, and um, actually it wasn't a relationship that kind of got me, you know, I got into a relationship and that kind of, well, um, let's go to Wisconsin and, and uh, I ended up finding alcohol and drugs in Wisconsin as well. Mm-hmm. So um, who'd have thought Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was probably late '90s and um, 2000 was my was where I my, where I hit uh, rock bottom, and uh, I was in my apartment, relationship over, and just when you hit rock bottom, Chris, that's when you start. When you're an extrovert like me, who talks like a mile a minute, got a bunch of friends. When I started partying by myself, mm. because nobody else wanted to party with me, because I was too much of a hog, or I was stealing, or I was, I mean, I was just everything that I'm not now, just like, can't be trusted, they don't want to see this guy coming down the street. I said, well, you know what, I can figure, I can solve all that, I'll just party here by myself, Right. right. and that took me to the lowest depths, and where I had to call my brother who was already uh, recovery in recovery, more like. Through church, had a religious kind of conversion, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and and he and his wife came down to that apartment where I was just in a corner weeping, just I can't stop, I can't stop. And mm-hmm. he came down, and I was about, a, I wasn't paying my rent. I was at five twenty three East Chambers here, uh, right off of Holden Street in uh, Milwaukee, where I live, where I own a house, like a like several blocks from there now, and so I still drive down that block, like yeah, five twenty three, that's where I. Where it all started yeah so yeah he came and said hey Byron I'm gonna pay your rent um, I'm not gonna give you the money of course but uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna talk to your landlord <laughs> I'm gonna pay your rent but you're gonna call and you're gonna get into some kind of treatment yeah. and uh, and that's what I did and at that time it uh, the Milwaukee recovery community is amazing yeah because they wouldn't let me just go to a meeting or you know, and just go back to my little uh, empty apartment. I mean, it was always like, "Hey, let's have a coffee. Let's let's do let's let's help somebody move. Let's do some." And uh, I just kind of jumped in. I, I was ready, though. I was ready. I was I was listening. I was I was obedient. I was holding the door open for people. I, I had all these little jobs that didn't pay anything in recovery, um, and I just gave myself up. I mean, I realized at that point I didn't need another job. I didn't need another nothing. I just needed recovery. That's the only thing I needed.
0: Yeah. So so this is uh September 13th, 2000 then, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, here's okay, so a little uh, uh like full disclosure. Uh, episodes of the podcast drop on Tuesdays. So I mean, so September 13th is when this episode is going out into the ether, you know, for hey, for the whole world to hear.
1: I think that's amazing. I just want to tell you that.
0: It's I I <laughs> I mean i started noticing this when i got clean and it was like all of these coincidences and some of them were really profound and amazing and some of them were just really really trivial just little things that like kept reminding me like the universe kept saying like you know there, there's something bigger like in charge of all of this it's been 22 years do you continue to see stuff like that
1: well i mean just for you saying what you're saying about this is dropping and just for the fact that I'm invited to be on this. I'm like honored to be here talking to you. And like, and I, I had a meeting the other day with a funder that helps fund the Phoenix. And, you know, like my life is like that dude that was in the corner crying on 523 East Chambers. Man, I, I, I'm continuously amazed at, 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 at my life and, and, and inspired of, about what, thing, what can happen if if people get the opportunity. That's why I tell people all the time, I tell the guys at the sober house all the time, look, <laughs> you know, the sky is the limit, you know, and and I see things like this September 13th. I mean, it almost like my relationship with you, I don't even know you that well. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I admire people. I mean I I friend people on social media. Based on like, hey, that person's in recovery. He's kind of doing that. Uh, he's he's living his life. I, you know, I just like I'm connected. We're connected. Yeah. And we don't even know it. This is our first, yeah. you know, real conversation. So yes, in a, in an in a answer, I, I make long answers for questions. So yes. <laughs> you're straight. Um, it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So I want to shift gears here, but first, a few words from some of the sponsors of Forty Thousand Steps Radio. You know I'm an anxious person. Well, I'm really worried about my good friend, Mother Earth. And that's why I love Bamboo Works. Bamboo Works creates stylish, sustainably made, high quality sports apparel. Headbands, wristbands, gaiters, beanies, even performance masks. The wristbands, they've got this pocket where you can put your ID or frozen gel packs. Bamboo Works does more than athletic apparel. You gotta check out their amazing trucker hat, It's got that rubber enclosure. So if you're like me and you like to flip the cap around, it's not gonna leave that annoying dent in your forehead. Bamboo Works sources its product materials in eco-friendly, sustainable manner. This goes beyond the apparel. They're focused on sustainability when it comes to production and their packaging. We're all trying to do our part to take care of the planet, but shouldn't we look good doing it? That's where Bamboo Works comes in. Visit BambooWorks.com, that's B-A-M-B-U-W-E-R-X.com to learn more, or head to 40,000steps.com to check out BambooWorks' exclusive line of 40,000 Steps gear. BambooWorks, skin-friendly, earth-safe, it's apparel for today's active lifestyle. Folks, if you or someone you love might have an issue with drinking, drugs, mental illness, or anger management, it's time to get in touch with my friends at DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers here in Northern Illinois. It's time to set up an assessment. You've got nothing to lose. Depending on your situation, the assessment could be free. My friend Ron Parch and his team use their 25 years of experience to build an individualized treatment plan that's confidential and effective. They approach people in distress with respect, and I cannot stress enough how important that is, to feel respected when you're going through something. DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers has offices in Sycamore, Plano, and Crystal Lake. Check out duisycamore.com, or call 815-895-9000 and set up an evaluation today. Write this down, folks. Call 815-895-9000, visit duisycamore.com, or you can email duibhs at gmail.com. I say it on the podcast a lot, exercise is medicine. Well, my favorite pediatrician and running coach, Michelle Quirk is helping countless people get healthy and realize their potential through her business, Mindful Marathon. Maybe you're looking to run a mile without stopping, or maybe you wanna train for a 5K or an ultra marathon. Maybe you're a former track star who hasn't laced them up in years. Michelle meets her clients where they are and she gets results. She does so by building individualized training plans. She'll be with you every step of the way with regular calls and support. Go to mindful-marathon.com and download Michelle's free workshop or her Couch to Confidence four-week walk plan. Every runner starts from somewhere, even if that mile is zero. Michelle's going to meet you there, she's going to root for you, and Michelle's going to be there to celebrate with you at the finish line. So go to mindful-marathon.com and start your journey today. What's the timeline like with this stuff? Because you start the basketball league, the, the rebound, yeah. when, when did that yeah. happen
1: again? 2008. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I'm like eight years clean. And... Um, you know, my life is going great. You know, I have a good job. I've learned how to keep a job. A lot of that stuff came through being involved with uh, recovery, Mm -hmm. playing a little basketball, having outlets, Mm -hmm. you know, not just sitting up in 12-step meetings, uh, building relationships through sober softball. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the act of going through a whole summer with a sober softball team or a sober basketball group and then at the end of it you know having relationships out of that that's how i learned how to work in the world of having a job being part of a team this is my team at work don't be late on your team at work otherwise you're not going you know don't be late on your team for baseball because you're playing left field you know what i mean so i all of that is interconnected you mm-hmm. know and i and i wanted to give that to other people and um honestly i I heard a politician. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to be political. But a, a politician said in 2008. If you say 2008, yeah, yeah, yeah. he said he said if every one of us could just do something, you know, one hour or two hour a week, just something, give back. If everyone, if every citizen did one thing voluntarily a week, you know, you know, we'd have a, a greater uh, country. And I thought, what, what could, what would be my thing? And I was like, something I enjoy basketball is my thing that's my number one game and then um, i can do basketball but i can have a hook mm-hmm. uh, i can do sober basketball and when people come they think they're just going to play basketball but we're not going to just play basketball yeah we're going to have a little rap session in the be at the beginning before we even bring the balls out i'm gonna have a big circle of chairs and they're gonna be like hey what's going on with this <laughs> and then but they want to play free basketball yeah yeah, yeah. they want to play so they're gonna sit in that <laughs> circle and they're gonna say it their name, and they're going to say how long they've been in recovery, or they're looking for a job, or they need a sponsor, or they need a ride, or whatever, and, you know, for that 10, 15 minutes, they're going to do whatever I tell them to do, because they want to play basketball.
0: Yeah, and the, <laughs> the basketball is kind of the cheese on the broccoli then,
1: you know, it, it makes it more palatable. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, so I did that, and then uh, that that kind of grew with the, um, actually, I'm gonna be honest with you, it used to be like three people in the gym, four or five of us And then all of a sudden, the explosion of um, the opioid epidemic and the sober housing and all that stuff. Next thing you know, the gym is packed with all these young kids uh, that heard about the basketball thing. So, yeah, that started in 2008 and ran all the way until I started meeting some people from the Phoenix in 2008. 18. And I started thinking like, man, they, they're kind of doing the same thing that I'm doing, mm-hmm. but they're doing it on a national level. More variety too, right? Yeah, more variety, but they want kind of what we do as well. They they want to expand to other, they're in Colorado and, and and they're doing mountain climbing and they're doing, but they want to reach more people in cities and they, they're thinking about branching out. and And so I think in order to do that, other cities are they don't have mountains so we do a lot of team sports in the midwest and they thought it would be a good idea to bring team sport type of thing into their fold and i thought i want to grow what i'm doing but i don't want to i don't want to start my own nonprofit because i don't want to get away from what i actually do i don't want to you know be out fundraising and doing you know human resources and, and having a board and all that stuff. I just want to bring people in and play basketball and and and, and talk to people. Yeah. Um, you
0: want to do it. You want to do what you do well. Yeah. So being able to tap into their infrastructure and
1: do what you do, connecting with people just, make, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Let them do the human resources and, and, uh, and, and all that other stuff. And, you know, but they helped me grow in, in, a, in a lot of different areas by, by joining them and they have great vision and they give us, uh, a lot of freedom and um, just give us a much bigger platform, Chris, mm-hmm. to do what we do. so it's it's just awesome uh, to to be able to have rebound go up under the Phoenix uh, umbrella has been amazing.
0: That's awesome. So I mean people can you know go to the website on their laptop or computer or whatever but they can just download the app and just search for for nearby events. I mean we were talking about some of them earlier but there's there's yoga, there's cardio kickboxing I mean it's it's a lot of different stuff like you said there's there's the group bike ride too. Uh, so where does uh, rebound recovery house come into play here? How does that come to be because that's a that's an undertaking.
1: Yeah, it's an undertaking. <laughs> it's, it's an undertaking. Um, uh, it is, it is, it is. Well, I have to say this. One of my other hobbies uh, that I developed and you know, skills that I developed was I got into banking. So all the time that I was doing Rebound, I was working at the bank. I was working at uh, Chase Bank. So I was doing Rebound. That was just something I did for free on mm-hmm. Tuesday night. Yeah. That was my give back to the world. I had to have a full-time job to support myself. So I was working in banking and, uh, you know, I started learning about finance a little bit and learning that if I build up my credit, I could actually not have to rent from people and I could own my own house. So I end up um, buying, getting into housing and 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 being becoming a landlord. And uh, I had like bought like four houses and I, you know, it was actually kind of a thing that was some of the other guys that were also in recovery um, that I was hanging out with we all became landlords and then people start buying houses. I was like, well, man, how can I do that? I want to do that. Those were the kind of people that I was hanging out with within the rooms of AA. Mm. I was kind of hanging out with these movers and shakers. They were kind of like little hustler people, but they now they're doing it in a legal yeah, way. They're, they're, <laughs> they're legitimate.
0: And you know, that was one of the things that really resonated with me. I want to dial in on that for a moment was yeah. when I was in rehab, we had folks from a certain, a certain twelve-step uh, uh, organization.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. And
0: one of the guys who I really resonated with, who we were on the same uh, frequency, he said, "When you get out of here, you need to find the people who have what you want."
1: Yeah.
0: And that just, I was like. Wow. And I immediately started doing that when I got out, I started identifying people who had what I wanted, rather than sort of having this like boilerplate approach of like being in in church every Sunday morning, you know, do that, you know, do these steps. It was like, no, like recovery is so individualized. So you see, and I know that at this point, you know, you're 18, 19 years into recovery, but you're still practicing that where it's like, you're always looking for
1: these guys are into real estate. Like, yeah, I want some of
0: that.
1: Yeah. I want to have coffee and lunch with, you know, I've started clinging on to those guys. And and how do you do that? Can I actually do that myself? And you know, my confidence is building because I've been on my job for eight years. That was, uh, I'll tell you, this is a, as an aside, Chris, I lost about, before I got into recovery, I, my dad, my mom kept a journal of how many jobs I had when I had like 40 some over 40 jobs i lost in recovery she she used to recite it like at christmas time and Byron and, and she would bring out the list and recite all of so so when i got it in recovery i said you know i don't care if the job pays three dollars an hour or four dollars and i don't care i'm gonna keep this job for how i'm not if somebody offers me six dollars that i'm making five dollars i'm not going to leave i'm going to build up a background Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) because everything was too much hopping around i had no stability so that's what i i did i ended up staying at that bank for 11 years and for for 11 years my dad would ask me every time i saw him you're still at the bank (laughs) (laughs) and i knew i was making progress with him and and our relationship you know when he passed in 2017 mm. we were like best friends because he has seen he has saw me for 17 years yeah um, clean yeah so he saw the other side all of it and he told me he was proud of me and so that that's huge
0: i'm so i'm sorry to hear you lost your dad but i assume you
1: still see him everywhere right Man, <laughs> I hear him. <laughs> I hear him. He was one of those sayings type guys, <laughs> you know. <what> I mean? <laughs> and they weren't all good. I can't say them on the on the, on the camp. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, and Chris, another thing, he can remember like certain things you did when you weren't in recovery. Mm-hmm. So when you get that big head and you're walking around with 17 years or 15 years, he'll bring out the time that you did blah blah blah. You know? It's good to stay humble. It's good to stay humble. <laughs> Man, he'll bring you right back to, to to humility. So um
0: I love how we're meandering around the uh, and this is how these conversations always go. We're taking off yeah. ramps, we're getting back on the interstate. Yeah, let's
1: get back on. So Rebound Recovery House, you get into
0: real estate.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, um, another thing that was going on is, you know, really like kind of the explosion of the sober living thing. And that was happening all around me, even though, you know, I had, you know, families in my in my rentals and stuff like that. And, you know, but man, listen, I'm like, I'm one of the most recovery recovery guys I know, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm doing all basketball I'm doing, you know, and I own housing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could, you know, put the two together, you know, and, and I had some mentors, uh, that are, you know, some of the guys that own that are, you know, some of the biggest, um, recovery, uh, and treatment programs that we have here were started by guys that were in recovery with me. Right. And, um, uh, so, I, so I had a br- a kind of a blueprint and some people to, you know kind of ask questions and i just said i want to start like a small i had a duplex that would actually my brother my brother came up here got sober um my oldest brother got sober kind of i took him around to all the meetings and got him got him together to the point where he bought his own house too and but he ended up going back to chicago going back to illinois
0: No well, nobody's perfect
1: yeah yeah absolutely hey wait take it easy uh i don't want to go there let's not go there uh, <laughs> and so he sold me the duplex long long story short i got the duplex and then i start putting regular families in there up until about 2017 yeah about 2017 mm-hmm. is when i when i started uh rebound so in addition to having rebound east which was located on the east side that's basketball mm-hmm. i had Rebound basketball had grown to the point where I had two locations. I had rebound East uh, on um, the east side of Milwaukee. I had rebound West in Waukesha because, you know, it, it just people wanted it out there as well. So I had two locations for that. And then Rebound Housing <laughs> started in 2017. So it was, everything was Rebound.
0: Rebound empire, man. The rebound <laughs> empire, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and so I, I, I dove into that. And I always tell people when they get into something, you know, uh, Byron, when they talk to me about real estate or sober living or whatever I get into, I always say, man, it's just like college, you know, four years give it four years uh and that was all. always my plan even with the phoenix i was like okay this is a new thing four years i said within four years everything that's going to happen probably positive and negative is going to happen in that four-year period so that first year you're a freshman you're just kind of getting you find it out you know you get your first person into the house and you know um then you got your first manager and all that stuff and then sophomore year i mean then you you know somebody leaves the house somebody drinks in the house somebody you know all you know all you know all of the things are going to happen mm-hmm. in that four-year period you know after that four-year period you will have already experienced everything you need to know about the sober living yeah. uh, community so yeah. so that's pretty much how it's been We're like 20 by 2021 everything has you know i'm you know, I'm kind of that's that, I'm in that business now.
0: So I do want to ask you something that's that's a bit more sensitive. Like for my for my day job, I I'm a writer and I work at with for a healthcare organization. And so I've become very, very familiar with uh with the black community's distrust with healthcare. Uh given, you know, the the the, the Tuskegee, uh the you know, all, all of just our, our sorted past. What is it like for you having the opportunity to help in those marginalized communities where mental health is such an issue, addiction is such an issue? Uh, like, I'll ask about like Rebound Recovery House. Like, do you predominantly have have you know people from marginalized communities who come through there, or is it or is it pretty diverse?
1: And I, I, I know this is a
0: loaded topic. <laughs>
1: No, well, I think uh, I think access to health care, access to treatment is still, you know, not um, inclusive, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, even though our house is is on 1320 North 38th Street in the in the in the, in the, in the right in the in the neighborhood, as they say, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a small percentage of African Americans that are in our house okay that come that come to sober living I mean be honest with you I, we don't have a history of sober living you know what I mean when I was out there was no sober living when I was out you know
0: uh, yeah that's what I'm talking about
1: yeah yeah doing my thing and and so we don't we don't really go to treatment a lot um yeah. so even like with the Phoenix mm-hmm. the Phoenix is free man yeah the Phoenix is free. We our doors should be blown off the off open with you know people coming in. We're not charging anything to, for you to come and work out with us and be around. But there's a there's a stigma about going to treatment, you know, within those communities. And I try to get out and say, hey, listen, man, I think basketball is definitely a key. For me getting people in the door. Mm-hmm. People, brothers wanna hoop. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's our blackest event. Uh, <laughs> you'll see that when you come on the 17th. Yeah. Um yeah. And, and when we get them in there, I can start say, hey man, because even when I say it's free, people think it's a trick to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's free. So yeah, no, ain't nothing free. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so there's so I try to break, that's the wall to break down that that it's okay. And, and even mental health and all that, you know, like seeking treatment um, is like, you know, it can be like taboo. It was taboo. I mean, asking for help. But I think that's starting to grow. Um, even like some of these NFL players mm-hmm. that are saying that they had depression and NBA players. I mean, that is starting to change. And I'm and I'm, I'm I'm happy to be part of that change. Like, even for me out here wearing shirts that say "Sober" and the Phoenix and all that. Man, I never did that before I got with the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I was in part of a backdoor, uh, keep your mouth closed, um, 12-step thing is where it's like, you know, a secret society kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think that 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 organization saved me and saved a lot of people. But I think that what we're doing, you know, showing people playing ball and, and climbing and doing yoga and then going off to whatever treatment of, you know being alongside that um, is, is amazing. So, um, yeah, that's another another long answer, but I think that <laughs> we still got a ways to go.
0: It's a long answer to a loaded question, though. Let, let, yeah, yeah for honest. sure.
1: It's a loaded question, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought differently when I started, well, we're going to be right here in the neighborhood. It's going to be, like, lined up with Black people coming. Yeah. No, it's the same amount of people that seek treatment it's the same amount of people that seek treatment just because you're on this block doesn't mean you know <laughs>
0: but you're breaking through you're, you're yeah. definitely breaking through uh with, with the hoop stuff you mentioned uh you know black athletes and speaking up about mental health issues and one of the first places we go is sort of the tragic story of, of antonio brown right yeah i i would highly recommend if i can like uh you know shamelessly self-promote Go back in my catalog. I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe. You ever heard of Joe Barksdale
1: at all? No, but I listened to your park podcast. That's the one I listened to. Oh, you did you listen to Joe? Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's amazing. He played he was he was a baller. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was
0: part of a national championship team. Yeah, you know, he played for the Rams. LSU,
1: LSU, yeah. So when I did my research, I also do research. Um, that's the episode that I chose to listen to.
0: Yeah, Joe is an amazing dude, and he's just so upfront about everything. You know, it was it was hard to hear a guy say that. You know, he deals with suicidal ideations every day. But hopefully, there's a number of people out there who hear that and they're able, we're able to normalize those conversations because
1: that is real. It is so real, man. And I just. I came up, man, I, you know, man, my dad was not hearing nothing about no mental health. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, my dad was hard ass. I mean, like the reason we had time to make up is because we didn't have that relationship because he was all like, man, it wasn't no touchy feely. I mean, he's like, I bring home the bacon, man. I put the roof. I took us from one bad neighborhood to to another bad neighborhood, to a better neighborhood, to a better neighborhood, and, you know, and then I finally got there, and then all you guys start getting high, mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know, I mean, you understand, so he was just, you know, man, like a real example of, like, how it was, and, you know, the thought process, and, and, I, and I didn't have enough grace with him, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of what he was witnessing and what he was going through, and I, I have so much grace for you know, when I look at history and and the things that he must have been dealing with at his job, and yeah. you know, being passed over for this, and then oh you know, God, then yeah. coming home and having to deal with with us, <laughs> 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 man, you know, I understand why, man. You know, you know, putting a roof over somebody's head and and feed them, man, was enough, man. Like I ain't got time to like walk you through this other. You know, you're, you're you're having some emotional issues and all that, and I, I was, man, yeah. I was having some, you know, I was seeking, you know, I just needed more, and and he just didn't have that time for that, and I don't blame him.
0: Did you kind of see it on the home stretch of his life, though, that that he was able to to kind
1: of you know
0: face some of that stuff? Did you did you ever see that?
1: I think so, absolutely, because he actually retired, and he was actually retired for twenty years. So he became a much different individual when he wasn't going into that environment right. every day. And I think about it. he was in law enforcement; he was working with people in the in the in the prison system and all that stuff. So he was bringing a lot of that home. And I didn't. So man, when he didn't have to bring that stuff home, he was man. Like I said, we became best friends. We laughed like we just he would just make jokes about me, man. We would just laugh until we were crying because, you know, he got to enjoy like things that he wasn't, he, he, he he softened up uh, when he got out of there. And, um, and I realized, you know, uh, a different person, you know, and, 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 you know, I just was I was immature. I I needed more. And I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't very gracious uh, to his not being there. Um, during that time yeah. during those times
0: yeah oh ultimately though those those last years man solid how man.
1: incredible yeah it was incredible yeah it was incredible I mean he I, I'll, I'll tell you this little like he came to my graduation from Marquette after I had went to like six colleges over my addiction <laughs> years or whatever yeah. I finally went back got my degree from Marquette and I just remember him leaving my condo that I owned with my diploma and him just driving off back to chicago mm-hmm. and him and the the way he looked at me is like yeah you really you do <laughs> you're doing it now man and uh so yeah that was i was i get emotional thinking about that.
0: yeah yeah no doubt i mean th- you mentioned it before this incredibly vibrant recovery community in milwaukee what do you think is behind that? Like, I, I went to school in Milwaukee. We kind of bounced around the Midwest. My last my last gig was in DeKalb, Illinois. So we just recently moved back up here, and I just immediately like plugged in, and I was amazed that like one thing I love about Milwaukee that I tell people is I love that it's a city that has a bit of a chip on its shoulder. There's a little bit of edge to Milwaukee, right? But what do you think is behind this this vibrant, uh, welcoming recovery community that we've got?
1: You know what, I think it is? I think it is there's so much alcoholism here mm-hmm. that it touches everybody. You know, that when I'm looking at the news, I've looked at the news and I've seen the judge, the attorney, and the dude who did the crime all on the same, and I know them from 12 step. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, So I see people that are in recovery that are on TV, that are doing, you know, that are doing great things in the community, that are giving back. So it's not a dead end. If this guy is still coming to recovery Mm -hmm. at 30 years and he's a judge, he's a physician, he's a that gives me hope that I can do, you know, I can at least do. You know, you know, I can do I can be part of this. And um, and that's what I I fell into, you know, um, a group where it was a bunch of old timers and 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 they were still coming. to. I couldn't understand. Like they had everything that I wanted and they were still (laughs) giving back and coming to recovery. I was just like. Why, you know, you got a Range Rover, man. Why are you here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so those were my those were my mentors. Mm-hmm. Those were my mentors. Those are why I do what I do. Because you don't just get it and go. Yeah. yeah. You give it back.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, you mentioned earlier about how um the rebound basketball league really blew up alongside the the opioid crisis that began around then. So there's this unfortunate, you know, just with your answer now, but there's so much, you know, alcohol and drug use around here. So yeah, there's a bigger and more vibrant community. I suppose we really need to cling to that, that as these problems arise, that we are seeing the interventions and the groups coming together to rally around it. Like I, I really choose to sort of grab onto that energy and really, you know, Just be grateful for the fact that for every problem that's arising, there's solutions that we're seeing as well. You know, this kind of brings us back to full circle. Like you're talking about service. Like I just I just love how from like the moment that from from September 13th, 2000, you found yourself holding doors for people and doing little things to help people out. I think that's amazing. And that's, that's the big thing I'm going to take away from this conversation. <laughs> we also talked about nerves and and pregame jitters off the top. Yeah, Like, like I confess last night, I was just like, every time I do a podcast interview, I go to bed yeah. the night before. And I'm just like, Oh my God, what am I going to ask this person? How's the conversation? <laughs> I had a fucking phenomenal time talking
1: with you. I hope you had a good time too. Man, that's been amazing. I mean, you pull things out of people. I think, you know, with your background, I, you're just a natural at getting things out, like things I didn't want to go to and, uh, and, 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 and you know, put me on the spot. But but these are things that I can talk about, you know. I mean, when we talk about, you know, I don't know why I get nervous and we're talking about, man, I was getting so high. I could talk for days, you know what I mean? I should, I should, you know what I mean? Let's go to it. Let's go another hour, man, because, I mean, when, but, but why am I nervous? you know i don't know i think because of you know you always got to tell the truth yeah. <laughs> and you got to talk about yourself and um and i think that i that was foreign to me when i was in my active you know you're putting on so many faces and you're putting on so many um acts like that's why i say i was moving around because i on on 76th street i was one dude when i got up on the north side i was another dude yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. you know what i mean i i was like eight dudes you know in, in 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 one person and um so to have to come with the real uh as uh one of my uh, dudes in the program Terrence, I, to come with the butt, the butt naked truth, you know what I mean? It, it's sometimes yeah, yeah. yeah I
0: mean,
1: it's, it, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. Yeah. Well,
0: it's, it's been, I mean, we, we have a long history. It's been long ingrained in us, you know, to, 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 to maybe share a little bit or to share some or to, to, you know, to kind of spin it, you know, so that, uh, so that it's a little bit more palatable, but yeah, man, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you opening up. This has been glorious and I can't imagine the number of people it's going to help. It's just, it, it just feels appropriate to wrap this up and Man, happy, happy twenty-two-year sober bursary. That's fucking tremendous.
1: I appreciate you, Chris. Thank you for having me. Thanks for uh everything that you're doing. And um I look for you know future collaborations and and just hanging out. And uh yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on your platform. Yeah.
0: Hoops September 6th, 17th. If I don't see you before then, I'll I'll, I'll see you yeah. at, I'll see you at hoops.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again. All right, take care, brother.
0: How cool is Byron Thompson, man? All right, so I know that during the conversation, some of you were pulling out the phone and downloading the Phoenix app. For those of you who stuck with the conversation and you didn't try to multitask, pull out your phone, download the app, search for events near you, search for uh, for activities near you. You're going to find plenty of them. Next up, we're going to have on the author of Mindful Mixology, Derek Brown, a celebrated bar owner and mixologist who got sober during the pandemic. I hope you share the podcast. I hope you write a review. I hope that you rate it so that more people can see it, more people listen to it, and we keep building this community. Until next time, folks, if it feels like things are falling apart outside this space, right here, we are always coming together. Be excellent to each other. We out.